0: listening to the manchester vineyard podcast we'd love for you to join us to discover more about who we are where we meet and how you can connect with us head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description here we go so welcome back uh my name's thomas as been said earlier i'm part of the team here part of the leadership team and uh, i oversee youth and prayer and yeah just a very warm welcome to you as, you as you come back, get your seats after a little break there. It's wonderful to have you here at Manchester Vineyard this morning. And this morning, I wanted to talk to you guys about the, the fatherhood of God, and in particular, how uh, his relationship with Jesus is something that we can learn from and help us in our own understanding of God as our father. And I thought this would be fitting, because today, of course, is Father's Day. So congratulations, by the way, to all the fathers in the room, earthly fathers, spiritual fathers... Uh, there's no, no distinction in my books. Uh, my daughter just turned one recently, so this is actually my second Father's Day, and I must say a lot has changed uh, in the relationship that I have with her in the last year, uh, quite drastically actually since the last Father's Day. So last year she was just under one month of age, so the relationship was very much a, a one-sided one. <laughs> And as the year has gone by, I can now say that, you know, it's a bit more of a two-way street. At least she's aware of my existence, I'm pretty sure, (laughs) which I wasn't really convinced about a year ago when she was just a few weeks old. Uh, Maybe she knew who I was, who knows. Uh, And of course, over the past year, we've we've grown uh, in relationship. We've spent time investing in one another during that time. Again, probably more one-sided, but I feel it. So when I interact with her now, she actually responds to me, which is such a beautiful thing. And becoming a father has actually really uh, enabled me to understand the fatherhood of God and his relationship with his children in, in another way. And I know all of us here won't be fathers, and indeed not all of us here will be parents, but we are all sons and daughters. So when we talk about the fatherhood of God, we don't come at this without our own understanding of what a father is. And this of course can be a good thing uh, to have that frame of reference of fatherhood, but often it can get in the way as we ascribe our earthly experience of our fathers to God, our heavenly father. So firstly, to remedy that, we're going to focus on the relationship that Jesus has with the father. This will help us understand the fatherhood of God and not bring in our own earthly understanding of fatherhood and what it means to be a son and daughter. If we want to understand the fatherhood of God, we have to understand what it means to be a father to Jesus for God. Because we know that it isn't a physical relationship like the one that we might have with our parents, but a spiritual relationship. For this purpose, we're going to go back to before Jesus was born, when Mary was approached by the angel Gabriel with news that she would give birth to a son. So we have in Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 35, it says that the angel said that Jesus would be called the Son of God, the Son of the Most High. And what an amazing thing. Right from the beginning, before he was born, we have this insight into the kind of person that Jesus is. He is the Son of God. So what kind of life can we expect the Son of God to have lived Well, we have a few accounts of what it was like for Jesus growing up, uh, but in particular, there's one that highlights to us the relationship that he has with God as his heavenly Father. So we're going to jump to Luke chapter 2, and it's uh, verses 43 onwards. If I can find it here. Yep, we got it. Uh, So Jesus is now... 12 years old, okay? And the same as every year Jesus would be traveling with his family to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And we read from verse 43, so you can follow along. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So, as I said before, I have a one-year-old daughter, and you'll be glad to know I've never lost her. And <laughs> Sigh of relief. Uh, she's currently pretty fast on all fours, but she can't outrun me yet. However, I can imagine that not knowing where she is for three whole days is the thing of nightmares. I mean, I, I don't really have anything to compare it to, but I tried my best thinking of something. So. Do you guys have a specific place where you put like your wallet, your phone, your keys? And, and maybe this is a guy thing, but for me, my phone is always in my left pocket, wallet keys always in the right. I see some nodding. Um, very rarely do I put these objects anywhere else where I'm out and about. But sometimes when it's cold, I put the keys in the jacket pocket. And you have this realization moment. You pat, oh no. Your heart sinks as you notice that something is missing and you panic, you get that panicked feeling while you don't know where that valuable thing is and you're like, oh, am I gonna have to change the locks again? Um, <laughs> and now obviously, this doesn't quite compare, I get that. Um, at most it takes me a few minutes to figure out where I've put my keys, wallet, phone, whatever it is. So it is hard to imagine, but imagine that moment for Mary and Joseph when they notice that Jesus is missing. They spend three whole days looking for Jesus who to them was lost. And we can understand why his parents, when they saw him, you know, Mary said, why have you treated us like this? You can hear the exasperation in the mother's voice there. We can understand that question, right? She goes on to mention how they have anxiously been searching for him. And the shocking thing is Jesus' response, he says to his mother, verse 49, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Now, I know, well, for those of you who have teenagers and young people, it can be tricky for them to see things from their parents' perspective, and it seems from reading this that Jesus is no different. He's 12, so on the cusp of teenage years, and he asks, why are you searching for me? Um, Of course they're searching for him. How could they not search for him? They've not seen him for three days. But let's bring it back. Let's focus on, on where he was, what he was doing those three days while his parents were looking for him it says they found him in the temple courts sitting among the teachers listening to them and asking them questions while everyone around him was amazed at his understanding and his answers here we have Jesus a young man investing his time in learning about God spending time in the temple courts and in the presence of God he says to them I had to be in my father's house On some translations actually put it as, I had to be about my father's business. We can see here in this section that being the son of God is actually about relationship with the father. It's about spending time with him in his presence, getting to know him, being about the business of the father. So Jesus has spent three days doing this. And have you ever you know, spent time with someone, maybe a friend or a relative, where after spending a little bit of time with them, you look at your watch and you're like, hours have gone by. And I wonder if that was the case here. Jesus' focus on the Father, on knowing him, spending time in his presence with him, he's so captivated that Jesus has spent three whole days and not realized that his parents had left Jerusalem. I'm going to say that's what happened, benefit of the doubt. So here's a question for us in the room today. When was the last time that you felt so caught up in worship, so captivated by the presence of God that you you feel like that moment could just go on forever and you'd be fine with that? When did you last spend time in prayer or reading scripture where you felt time just fly by as you longed to know God more? And I must say, it's never been three days for me, but what an amazing thing to aspire to. God the Father wants to spend time with us, and he wants us to know him in this way. And we can actually ask for a heart and a desire to know him and to be in his presence. And we can take steps. It starts by just taking the next step in intimacy with him, whatever it might look like for you. Perhaps it's praying for longer, practicing a new spiritual discipline, or worshiping him more, spending time reading the Bible, studying theology, talking about him to your friends, God wants us to know him, and he is constantly, graciously faced towards us. Sometimes all we have to do is turn towards him. So it's all about relationship with God. Jesus, even at this this young age and stage in his earthly life, he understands this, that being the son of God means having a relationship with the father, knowing him, spending time with him. So that was when Jesus was 12. We fast forward now, he is 30. He's about to begin his ministry. And he has spent 30 years on this earth investing in his relationship with the Father. Just being in his presence, getting to know him. And at this point, we read in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, about his baptism. And it says As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And this is really important for us to understand. God is pleased with Jesus before his ministry begins. 30 years of investing in relationship, just getting to know God, spending time in his presence, Jesus hasn't actually done done anything at this point. No healing, no preaching, no teaching, no discipling. He has not earned the Father's love. But God is actually quick to affirm him as a son, to say that he loves him and is pleased with him. This is so key for us to understand because we often gauge our own relationships with others as what we do for one another. this is not how God understands relationship this is not how God wants us to view relationship with his son Jesus and we will unpack the father's love for us more later on but I just want to make sure that we understand that that like Jesus we do not need to earn the father's love nothing we do or don't do will make God love us more or less we are loved it's final Our relationship is not based on what we do. It is based on what he has done. And this actually brings immense freedom, no longer trying to gain love from others or other things. It brings great joy as we know that we are secure in the most important relationship that we could ever have. Some of you need to know that God loves you today wholeheartedly, that you don't need to do anything to earn that love but you can receive his love. So maybe you're thinking right now, well, it's all very well that Jesus and the Father have this relationship, of course. You know, we know the Father loves the the Son. This is not anything that that Jesus has to do uh, to earn that. We've read that earlier. We know the nature of the Father of God is relational, but how is that good to me in my relationship? How does that affect my relationship with God? And... Well, the importance of understanding Jesus' relationship with the Father is that it actually models to us our relationship with God. Because Jesus invites us into relationship with the Father. He invites us into that same relationship. So how does Jesus speak about his Father? And Jesus spoke multiple times about God as a father is recorded in the Gospels uh, that we read that Jesus refers to God as his father 70 times, and he refers to God as our father collectively 25 times. And that's just in the Gospels. In particular, when he teaches the disciples how to pray, uh, that's a well-known one, uh, he, tells us, he tells his disciples to address God as our father. In Matthew 6, verse 9, it says, This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, our Father. And there is an intimacy here in the word Father that we we may have lost because we've grown maybe too accustomed to the concept of God as a Father. But this is actually massive. Jesus, the Son of God, tells us that we can and should address God as our Father. It is through Jesus that we are able to call God our Father. He invites us in. So that we can have this relationship with God. And there is a closeness with God that we as human beings had lost when we turned away from him. But now we have access to the Father through Jesus. We were actually designed for this relationship with him. And now through Jesus, that relationship with God and the Father is restored. Jesus teaches us that we can partake in the same relationship that he has with the Father. And the reason we are able to do this is not just because Jesus invites us into relationship with the Father, it is the fact that Jesus came to earth as a human being and that opens up relationship to us too. Because Jesus being fully human can model to us perfectly how to relate to God as a Father for us as human beings. So when we look at Jesus' relationship with the Father, we can put ourselves in his shoes. We can put ourselves in his position, walk the footsteps of Jesus to relate to God as our heavenly Father because Jesus related to the Father as a human being. As I said earlier, this means that we are loved by the Father as Jesus is loved. Before we do anything for God, he loves us. He wants us to be in close relationship with him. It also means that what we see Jesus doing when he relates to the Father, we can also do ourselves and this is key. When we see Jesus praying to the Father, we learn and seek to pray in the same way. When we see him spending three days in the temple immersed in God's presence, we are inspired to set time apart, to spend time with God and be swept up in his presence. As we see Jesus as a young boy learning about the Father, spending time in his business, we make time to learn and discern the will of the Father. When we see Jesus doing the Father's work on earth, we are spurred on to do the same, serving and loving those around us. When we see Jesus trusting the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane before suffering and giving up his life on the cross, we also trust God. Our Heavenly Father, when we go through our darkest moments in life, knowing that our Father is here with us. And when we see Jesus raised to life again, we can have hope that as God's sons and daughters, we too will be raised. Jesus is our role model. He relates to the Father, and we relate to the Father in the same way. So, have we spent time looking at Jesus? looking at Jesus and his relationship with the Father. Do you relate to God in the same way? Ask yourself that question. And there's an invitation here to all of us to lay down our old ways of relating to the Father and embrace God the Father in the way that Jesus does. So, we've said that God, as our heavenly Father, wants to be in relationship with us. We get that, and he is the perfect Father. This is something that we need to understand uh, and grasp, but the issue is each and every one of us has an earthly father, as we said earlier. And this poses a problem because we all have an experience of what being a father means to us personally. We've all experienced what it's like to be a son and daughter of an earthly father. And this means that we're not coming at this without our own baggage. You see, maybe you have or had an absent father. Maybe your experience of a father is that of someone who is distant or uninterested. Maybe yours put too much hope in what you would do or become. Maybe he expected you to be a certain way. Maybe he is loving, caring, but there is that time that you needed him and he was busy with something else. Maybe your father is closer to your sibling than he is to you. And you see, the thing is, even the best earthly fathers are going to somehow taint our view in some way of what the perfect father is like. So how does Jesus describe to us what the father is like? Remember, we need Jesus to tell us what the father is like because he is the one that reveals to us what the father is. Because God isn't like our earthly fathers. And praise God for that. He isn't fallible like any earthly father, even with the best intentions, is who, is going, who even with the best intentions is going to come up short sometimes. And one of my favorite ways that Jesus describes the fatherhood of God is in a parable. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. And we're going to read through it in a second. The father in the parable is God, and he has two sons. These two sons represent two groups of people who are separated from God in some way. We hear about the father and how he responds to both his son's actions. And it's important to realize that both the older son and the younger son have severed their relationship with their father. The younger, if you know the story, has left the house and asked for all his inheritance early, in essence communicating that he cannot wait for his father to die before taking his inheritance. And the Bible points us to this being the people who are openly living apart from God. And it all comes down to not understanding the Father and his character. It says in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, if you want to move over to that with me. Here we go. So at this point, the son has come to his senses and it says, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. This is the the younger one speaking. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. So we see here that the son, the younger son has this realization moment. And he plans to go back to the father, but he still doesn't get it. He says, I'll work my way back into relationship. I'll be like a hired servant, not a son. But the father has a different approach. We continue in verse 20 but while he was still but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with with compassion for him he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him the son said to him father i have sinned against you and against heaven i am no longer worthy to be called your son but the father said to his servants quick bring the best robe and put it on him put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. The father is waiting for his, to re- for his son to return. He is longing for his son to be welcomed back into relationship with him, to be restored father runs to him and before his son even gets a chance to say his plan to return and work for him the father not only fully welcomes him into the family but lavishly celebrates and organizes a feast before because his son was dead and is now alive again this is the incredible fatherhood of god at work restoring people into relationship with himself this is what he wants He doesn't want us to work for him on our own terms, to earn a place in his family. But rather, he welcomes us, he runs open-armed to us, and as soon as we turn to him, he is there for us. The relationship does not depend on what we do, but it is because of God's goodness to us as a father that he wants to restore and heal that relationship with him. And we can see that it is God's initiative to run to His Son, to embrace Him, and restore that father-son relationship. The returning younger son would not have expected this kind of welcome at all. There was shame in his return. He had spent all he had, and uh, and leaving, and in leaving, committed a great offense to his father. But it is the father in the parable who takes on the shame, running to him, embracing his lost son, and celebrating his his return with a public display of generosity, inviting all to rejoice with him in a feast. And likewise, it is God the Father who takes uh, on, for our sake, shame to restore us, to be his sons and daughters. He He welcomes us into his family with open arms, even though we are sinners and do not deserve it. But let's not forget the older brother in the parable. The older brother comes in now. He's, he is also not on good, good terms with the father. And we gather this from the interaction that follows. So the parable continues in verse 25. We're going to continue reading there. Meanwhile, the elder brother was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. We see here that the older brother has also fallen into a misconception of who the father is. He sees the father as so solely as someone that he works for. He does not feel that he can share in the things of the father. And he views his position not as a loved son, but as a slave, always obeying his father's orders. How sad. And the father comes out to him. He pleads with him, join us in celebrating the return of your younger brother. And again, this is actually a moment of shame that the father takes on. It would have been seen as disrespectful, dishonoring for the older brother to not join in and be on the outside. And Indeed, he would have been expected to be hosting the party alongside his father. But it is the father that goes out to him publicly, much in the same way that he went out to meet the younger son also. The father is the one that takes the initiative, and all he wants is to restore the relationship and explain to him that the older son is always with him, everything he has is the son's. The father offers relationship and access, but like the younger brother, the older is also mistaken on his position as a son. He doesn't realize the father just wants relationship with his sons and that he doesn't have to earn anything. I wonder how often we fall into viewing God in this way. Not as a loving father who runs to us to restore relationship, who pleads with us to join the family, but rather as a father who requires more from us than just relationship. Do we view God as someone who we have to work for? one who takes the fun out of life and withholds good things from us. Instead, we see in the parable that the father, he gives everything for his sons. And the thing is, at different times, I think we can flip between these two wrong perceptions of God as our father. We might be like the younger son in the sense that we have that moment of realization, oh, we're actually better off with God, our father, than on our own. But instead of trusting in God's grace and his goodness, instead of throwing ourselves on his mercy, we, we have this plan that we hatch in our minds to work our way back into relationship with the father. And so in, in doing this, we actually miss out on that full inclusion into family and the restoration of relationship that the father is offering us as his sons and daughters. So maybe you currently feel more like the younger son, undeserving of the grace of the father. And so you have this internal conversation about what you can do to make it right. I'm going to fast every week. I'm going to pray every day, read my Bible, listen to that talk, subscribe to that podcast, the good one. Whatever it might be that you say to yourself that makes you think that you're on better terms with God, as your father. All this stuff, it might be good stuff, but you know what? If we do these things to get right with God, then we're grabbing the wrong end of the stick. The father sees his son or daughter from afar, and before you get a chance to tell him what your plan is, to do for him, he says, you are my son, you are my daughter, I love you, I restore you, come here into my embrace into my family, and let's celebrate. This is the father's radical love at work for his children, at work for us. So that's the younger son. Maybe you find yourself more often in the place of the older son. We've seen in the parable that the older son has access to the father. Everything he has is shared with him. The father says, you were always with me, and everything I have is yours But to be like the older son is to have relationship with our Heavenly Father, or the blessings that come with it, right there in front of our noses, within reaching distance, but we don't see it. Maybe we've lost sight of the fact that our Heavenly Father is with us, that he's given us access to every spiritual blessing, but we go through the motions, doing the same things for God, but the motivation is, this time, not to earn our way into the family like the younger brother, but the older brother does it because he thinks he has to. He doesn't think he's getting anything in return either for those things that he has to do. So, of course, he says, I have slaved away, always being obedient to you, and you have never even given me a young goat to celebrate with my friends. The older son also doubts the grace, goodness, and gifts of the Father. So we can find ourselves also doubting and forgetting that we have access to God as a Father, overlooking that he is here with us for relationship and not for what we do for him. What we do for God is and should always be a natural response to what the Father has already done and given to us. It's a manifestation of our love to our father, not a list of things that we need to do to be in right relationship. So just to recap, firstly, we've spoken about the relationship that Jesus has with the father. Secondly, Jesus is the key to our understanding of the fatherhood of God because he reveals to us what it's like to be a child of the father. And Jesus invites us into this relationship with the Father so that we can also be called sons and daughters of God. Our Heavenly Father is like the Father in the parable that Jesus told. We may think that our relationship with God our Father is something to be earned or that His love is something we have to work for, but the Father's desire is to be in relationship with us. So He takes initiative. He welcomes us into the family. He restores us as sons and daughters of God. And our place as loved sons and daughters is not based on what we do, but it's because of God's grace and his mercy that we are able to even call him Father. So how does this affect us? What are we going to do about it? The Gospel of John speaks of Jesus, uh, that, he, that those that believed in his name He gave the right to become children of God, that's in John 1.12. Jesus invites us into this close relationship with the Father, so with God as our heavenly Father, we now have a new identity, a new status as sons and daughters of God. And with this new identity comes a spiritual inheritance in his kingdom for we are co-heirs with Christ and we have a part to play in this family. So what's our responsibility? what part do we play? What part do I play? Well, we look to Jesus again. He is the perfect son. He is our example of what it means to be part of the family, to be a son and daughter of God. We see that Jesus carries out the will of the Father in so many ways in the Gospels. And in John Chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. And again in chapter 6, 38, again in John, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So this is what we should do also. As his sons and daughters, we have a purpose to live out God's will. Practically, it means doing the stuff that Jesus did. This is the exciting bit. We are called as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father to imitate Jesus in doing God's will. This means spending time with God in His presence in prayer and worship to discern His will. It means feeding the hungry, healing the sick in prayer, uh, healing the sick, sorry, extending the kingdom of God. Caring for creation, for the widow, for the orphan, serving the needs of our city here, our neighborhoods. Jesus sent out his disciples to do his work, to do his ministry. And we, as God's children, are called to do that same mission. So let's spend time in the family business, so to speak. We all get to play. God invites us today to do his will. And this looks like extending his kingdom through healing, serving the needs of those around us, caring for the poor, the weak, seeking reconciliation, praying for people to come to know God, sharing stories of what God has done in your life. Be a person of peace, be a positive influence in your home, your family, workplace, neighborhood, stand up for what's right and good, resisting the enemy who is seeking to steal and destroy So to end, let's just recap again. Firstly, much of what we understand and know of the fatherhood of God is revealed to us through Jesus. We have in Jesus a perfect example of the relationship that the father wants to have with us as his sons and daughters. Secondly, Jesus invites us into relationship with the father. Like the father in the parable, we see that God, as our heavenly father, wants to be in relationship with us. And he will always take the initiative. Isn't that great? He takes the initiative to restore and to welcome us into his family. It is not about earning a place in the family, but about accepting his love for us. And we do this by believing in Jesus and gaining the right to become sons and daughters of God. And thirdly, our new status as sons and daughters of God means that we get to play a part in extending God's kingdom by doing his will on earth. So if you're going to take anything away from this talk, please let it be this, that God as our heavenly father wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to spend time with you, not based on what you've done, but based on who he is, that is his nature, his character. And this is a transforming and liberating relationship that he's inviting you into. So let's respond to him this morning. Shall we stand together? going to spend some time now welcoming the presence of of God. He is here. And actually it is by that spirit, by the the Holy Spirit, that we are able to cry out to him as our father. That's what the scripture says, that we cry out to him like our dad.
1: So yeah, we're just we we'll just encourage you guys to um, just close your eyes, um, just be um, comfortable in the presence of God. And for those of you that might be new, um, it's just a part of the service where we welcome God because we believe that he's alive and real and with us today, and that he wants to speak with us and, and meet us. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. come amongst us this morning. I think there's a, a number of things that God wants to do this morning. Um, I think there may be some people in this room that, just similar to Jesus, just really want to be in the Father's house. And he's, he's here, we're here with him now, but you just long for more and more. Just to kind of have the waves of his love crashing over you. And this might be the same people, but I think it might be someone different, others as well, that um, some of you guys just long to do the will of the Father. When Thomas spoke about what it looks like to be a son and daughter and how how they do the will of the Father, that's like the Spirit kind of just stirred your heart. You long to do what God wants you to do. And the Lord wants to to bless that and to encourage that this morning. I think there's um, another group of people in the room um, during worship where you sang that song, I will not stay silent, but I'll praise the Lord. I think there might be some of us in this room that really struggle to sing that. That maybe you sung it, but you didn't really mean it. That praising the Lord is something that's just difficult at the moment. And I feel um, the Lord just wants to meet you in that place. There's no shame or guilt. Um, as it read, in the, as um, Thomas read earlier, um, God welcomes the prodigal son with open arms, with compassion. God wants to run and embrace you in that moment.
0: And there's a number of things that um, that Het was just said that we we really want to respond to. We want to be family and come alongside people to to pray for. But there's a few other things as well. Um, I, I really get a sense that there's uh, maybe one or two people here that have um, pain on their uh, like the the right sole of their their foot, and then also uh, someone else that's like. Almost like a stabbing pain in in the centre of their their back, and we we believe in healing. We believe that God wants to um, that God wants us to pray for 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 healing, and uh, if the, if that's you, I'd also encourage you to come to the sides of the front to receive healing from uh, for that. So there's been a number of things that have been mentioned if you'd like to respond in any way or if indeed you'd like prayer for anything at all that has not been mentioned this is your opportunity come to the front come to the sides uh, and then someone in a small group of the life of the church will uh, will come and pray alongside you thanks for listening to find out more head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description